Yay! Welcome to Yes to Soul, an Akashic Spark podcast with Tatiana. I'm a certified advanced Akashic Record practitioner with all five certifications from Linda Howe's curriculum. I use the pathway prayer process to access the heart of the Akashic Records. My pronouns are she, her. I am a messenger being called to plant the seeds of this resource, sharing the knowledge and educating to the best of my ability to awaken humanity so that their paths may be illuminated. The Akashic Records are an energetic realm of love that holds the vibrational record of your soul story as it pertains to you. Love is the fuel for you and your journey in this lifetime as well as past and future lives. If this lights a spark in you, then I invite you to join me, and I'm delighted to have you here. Let's begin this Akashic adventure. Hello, today my guest is Holly Harkins Marwood. She is an Akashic Record instructor and reader, and I'm so excited to have you here today, Holly. Thank you. It is absolutely a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Can you briefly tell your story about how you found or you were led to the Akashic Records? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, many years ago, um, maybe, I don't know, 12 or more years ago, I had heard about the Akashic Records and it sounded really cool and interesting. And I was definitely into metaphysical, personal transformational work. And it was interesting and I, but I wasn't really like, yes, this is something I'm supposed to do right now. In fact, I was working in a healing organization and traveling around the world, helping teach seminars and some of the other uh, associate instructors with me actually were Akashic record readers and they'd talk about it. And again, it sounded so cool and interesting, but it, it didn't call me as a yes for whatever reason. So some t- a little bit of time went by and then um, a friend of mine who was in the same group reached out to me and she said, oh, I'm learning the Akashic Records and I'm actually going to become an instructor. And I suddenly all my bells and whistles and fireworks went off and said, ah, when you're done learning, please come to our healing studio, which my husband and I had at the time down in San Diego. And I want you to teach a class here. And I mean, I was just like, yes, suddenly it, I assume it was just like the right time, right place, right method, all of those things sort of aligned. And um, so she did come and it, that was kind of like history. As soon as I learned to read the Akashic Records in that one weekend, I just was like shot out of a cannon. I didn't hesitate. I didn't look back. And, um, that was, I mean, well, I'm in my 10th year now of working in the Akashic Records. So that experience happened about 10 years ago. Wow. And was she teaching the pathway process prayer? Was she teaching Linda Howe's curriculum? Yes. Yes. Yeah. She studied with Linda Howe and then I was working in her work and then, um, also teaching for quite a number of years. Neat. Okay. <laughs> and this is how we connected last week, or it was the week before. Right. I saw on Instagram recently that you were making tantric necklaces from the same teacher that I learned from. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me what inspired you to make them and what are your favorite crystals? Oh, such a, oh, 
kind of like picking <laughs> your favorite child, isn't it? Um, so what inspired me to make them is, well, I, among other things, am a Kundalini yoga instructor also. And I took the training, although with um, pre-COVID, my husband and I did a lot of traveling for work. And so I never really committed to actually being a Kundalini yoga instructor, like at a site somewhere because I couldn't count on being there enough. But just that whole, the Kundalini yoga technology has really personally deeply transformed my life in incredibly positive ways. And so I, I was aware of these tantric necklaces and um, I had always been intrigued by them. I had read about them and I, for many years have made malas and worked with crystals, jewelry, and you know, it's just more of a, a passion, a hobby thing, not a, a serious business. So, I mean, by malas, I mean like the 108 yeah. uh, meditation yeah. malas. And so I knew I could probably look and figure out, but I just thought, I don't really want to figure it out. It felt like there was something too sacred about it. So then when I saw that Sasha was teaching a class first at Rama Institute down in LA, and I went, oh, I'm not down there now. I can't take that class. And then she was offering it online. So I jumped at the chance because of, you know, I like all the energetic technologies. And so this is, a, in my mind, these tantric necklaces that we're both wearing today, um, <laughs> which I wear all, all the time. Um, they're, you know, it's the technology of the vibration of the crystals, but it's the technology of the weaving. And yeah. um, so it's just like this huge up-leveling. And I really believe in what I would call sacred adornment, where, you know, what we're wearing on our bodies matters. And especially when you're doing it consciously and intentionally. Uh, so I love making the tantric malas and um, wear, as I said, wear them all the time. Favorite crystal? Well, this one is one of my newest, it is my newest one that I made. And this one's all kyanite. And kyanite's been a near and dear one to my heart for a long time. I know it's not like one that people often think about, but I just love the complete balance. And um, I don't call it protection, but it's just, it's like a balance that you get in your core that just creates a great radiance for yourself. Another one of my all-time faves is citrine. <laughs> Pretty. Um, and also I would say one another one of my favorites, which is my next one that I think I'm going to make in a tantric necklace form is the rainbow tourmaline. I love tourmaline of all sorts. But you know, you could probably ask me about five other ones and I would tell you they're my favorite also. <laughs> I just bought some two millimeter beads because I want to try to make a baby one, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to get the four cords through the little hole. Yeah, I, I did one of the first ones I did. No, actually it might've been this other one that's mother of pearl and the holes, these are, um, they were supposed to be four millimeters but they're the same size as my five millimeter one. <laughs> but if I moved this to the place where I had to get the four through, I couldn't get the four through these holes. So I actually, in the four, I have slightly smaller 
I mean, sorry, slightly larger, um, slightly larger ones. And uh, this is moonstone. Sorry, I think I might have just said mother of pearl. These are moonstones. And um, so I just got a little slightly smaller bead and it and it worked perfectly and it blends in very, very well. Yeah, I sometimes switch to the the gold beads because those always have giant holes. And then I, it just makes like an accent, like a, like a little activator. Anyway. Yeah. That's, that's my, yeah, that's my solution. <laughs> yeah, no, they, and it, you know, what's wonderful is it, there's infinite creativity in them, right? There's no really yeah. right and wrong way to do them. They're fun. They're really fun to make. They really are. But okay. Here's my, crystal? <laughs> my favorite crystal. Yeah. I like kunzite. <gasps> oh, see, I told you that I, I have some of those waiting to make one with Mala. Amala from too. I love yeah. the coincide. And it comes in green and different shades of pink. So yeah. Okay. If you could build one thing, what would it be? And why did, why would you choose that? Build like physically build. However you want to take that. So okay. great question. Um, <laughs> Oh, wow. That almost gets me emotional. I, you know, I'll tell you what I, what comes to mind first is I would build into our life here on the planet, a foundational access to kindness. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. So that it's like a foregone conclusion that everyone lives their life and orients themselves in an energy, a sphere of kindness towards themselves first, because I think a lot of our trouble in the world is what we're holding against ourselves is emanating out into the world and we project it on other people. So kindness to ourselves as well as other people. And I don't want to sound Pollyanna-ish about it, but I think it would change, change life on the planet if we just embodied kindness. And do you think during this pandemic, during this lockdown, that for, because for me, I'm seeing kindness happen, right? Like mm -hmm. kindness happen towards neighbors within communities. I've seen people be kinder to themselves. Um, do you, do you agree or do, are you seeing that too? I definitely am seeing more of that. And I also feel like right. I'm seeing more of the opposite. I just feel like the the swing in polarity is more obvious right now. And I think a lot of it has to do with people's response to the stress. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I had to stop watching the news because it was, um, it was upsetting for me. Yeah, I would say the same. I don't watch the news um, because it disturbs me too much as well. And also I think we are coming to the place with all the things that, were hap that have been happening is it, it's hard to really count on anything that's out there. And so for me, this time through, you know, our national election, the pandemic, and as we both live in California with all the fires and all these things are really, they really are drawing us inward physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually to source things more deeply within ourselves and, um, and discover what's there and discover what, what more could be there in a really positive way. Yeah, I've definitely felt pulled inward. 
for sure. Yeah. Okay. How do you follow your heart? And of course, do you think that's important? <laughs> oh, I think it's, I think ultimately it's the only way to be because I think whether it's our heart or our inner truth, it's, it's the aspect of what makes us unique in the world. And I think um, for myself, how do I access it? If I'm not able to just source it just on the moment, you know, in the moment on the fly, I would say one of my main go-to tools is are the Akashic records. Cause mm -hmm. I know it's tapping me into that inner wisdom. That's already there flowing through me, waiting for me to discover it. Um, it's not been missing to me. And then in addition to that, I would say that um, I do something that I'm also a channel. So I, we channeled in something called the universal sphere several years ago that um, is just incredible way of bringing us into multidimensional awareness, which again, helps you source, you know, our heart and, and, yeah. and live more from that place. And so those are my two main go-to tools aside from just me opening yeah. up and saying, yeah, what's in my heart right now. Yeah. Nice. Um, what do you do every day and why? I do a lot of work every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, why? Just because, you know, it's the nature of being self-employed and also having a really vibrant business uh, right now. And in addition to that, almost every day I do Kundalini yoga. I do universal spheres. Most days of the week I'm doing Akashic records and um, exercise more days a week than not. And, um, you know, to me, one of the challenges of my life, which is, I'm, it's getting more easy for me to discover it now that I'm in this part of my life where I'm a grandmother and I'm not raising children, um, is not abandoning myself and really being there for myself and recognizing what I need to fill me up and recognizing that the best place I can be to contribute to the world is to be in my best place and be aware of that. Thank you. What is something that you recently learned about yourself? <laughs> um, this comes from the Enneagram work. Mm -hmm. um, we, Paul and I have been, Paul's my husband and we work in our business together as well as being married. And we've been working with some couples, people who support couples in their relationship. And they, through that work, um, I learned that I'm a nine on the Enneagram, which I'm still learning what that means, except that what I've, what I do know so far is that we need a lot of processing time. <laughs> we really need to think things over. I think my astrologer would say, oh, that's because you're Pisces and you just really take things deep all the time. But I'm acknowledging that on the outside, it look, may look like I'm saying, wait, no, no, no. But what I really need is processing time. So what I've learned about myself is that I don't need to always be in a yes or no right away. I, it's okay for me to say, you know, I, I need a minute to think about that. And um, 
and it's it's me understanding that a little bit more deeply about myself has given me the grace to give myself the space to then source, you know, from my heart within what is what feels like the right thing to do and not just then react relative to someone else and then maybe it not feel like the right thing. Do you know anything about human design? Have, have you um, learned what your human design is? You know, I have, but I've forgotten what it is. <laughs> that has really helped me, the human design. I don't know my Enneagram. Yeah, I think all of these, all of those systems, whether it's numerology, astrology, the human de design, the Enneagram, all of these ways that um, are out there that help us understand ourselves better is just so great because it's not that we want to be pigeonholed into a little box and this is who you are, but all of it has some blessings, some huge gifts of who we are and it helps us understand why we're motivated the way we are. And then also the areas that we're pushing our leading edge of growth, you know, it could be challenges, but also like this, this is where the obstacles I'm overcoming. And as a result, I'm cultivating all these new qualities about myself. Neat. So you, I'm sure were teaching in person before the pandemic and now you're teaching remotely. I'd love to hear about how that is for you or how you've adapted your teaching to to accommodate that? Um, some of what we do, because the Akashic Records aren't the only thing that we do in our business, um, but some of what we do, we were actually teaching online already, internationally, and so that part really didn't change. I'm very fortunate to have a husband who's a technological wizard. Um, before doing this work together, he actually was an engineer. So we have a lot of like, technology and infrastructure that like I don't have to overcome like he <laughs> handles all of it he gets it all great I mean he's just amazing at all of that um, so any transition we've had to being online from a just a the technological aspect of it it's been super easy because we were already there a lot we did put classes online that hadn't been online before but again we were used to it I think the thing that I miss about it is I love being in presence with people. Yeah. You know, being in a classroom, especially if you've got multiple days or a couple weekends or what, however it is where you're meeting with people and you're all gathering together, you know, that the way you get to know people more deeply and intimately, and also as an instructor, you can respond to new nuances and how people are doing very differently when you're in person than obviously online. Um, so I miss not being in physical presence with people because of the richness that that provides. Um, but, you know, it's also okay because sort of the mission is to keep sharing and keep empowering people to discover their light and their gifts and live from that place. And so we can still do it that way online and not in physical presence, but um, I believe, you know, as humans, we're relational, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we came in here to be in physical presence with one another. And so I think, you know, a basic human, uh, I don't know if it's a need, but, you know, this 
energy, then the benefit we have from exchanging energy and being in the same space together, it's missing. And it'll be nice when we can do that again. Yeah. I read recently you know, that humans are a pack animal, like, like dogs, right? We're meant to be in, in a group. Yeah. And, and you look at um, indigenous cultures and they do that. Yeah. Um, I want to pull a card from this deck. It's called the Starseed Oracle deck. Have you seen this one before? Yes. Yes, and, I have. Um, do you have it? Mm -mm. I have a whole lot of decks. It's not one that I have. <laughs> cool. I'm going to pull a card and then can you tell me how this resonates um, for you from an Akashic perspective? Sure. Okay, let's try that. It says karmic relationships. Orion energy, polarity, soul growth, conflict. Orion energy? That's what it says. Oh, because I channel the High Council of Orion. Oh, wow. Okay, let's <laughs> see what the book says. Okay. <laughs> the constellation Orion is thought by many to have been a place of great polarity and eventual unity. Some believe that many star seeds who were part of this cosmic history are incarnate on earth now and are playing out karmic relationships from Orion times. Perhaps you are one of them. Polarity causes conflict and highlights separation. However, because of this conflict, wait, however, because of this conflict can also result in unity and growth. Too many misunderstandings are caused when we don't open up our heart and mind and see things from a different point of view. When we go into reactive second guessing mode, instead of gathering the courage to open our heart, we should admit that we may have reacted because of our own woundings and then find mutual ground. We're all innocent children looking to be seen, understood and cherished. It's much harder to grow closer through conflict than it is to grow further apart. And yet that's the invitation of conflict. It's easy to react and take things personally. It's more challenging to see the innocence of all involved and find a way to grow closer through the conflict. It's through relationships that we grow the most. How can you soften your heart and drop your defenses enough to see things from a different point of view? How can you see the innocence of all involved? How can you learn to see the similarities rather than the differences? That is a beautiful card. Thank you for that. And, um, so you asked me to respond to that from the Akashic perspective. I think from the Akashic perspective is the response to that card is as we work in the records and we see all the lifetimes we've lived and in terms of karmic relationships also, we see, you know, that we sometimes we have a perspective of like, oh, this person who I think drives me nuts, we've actually been ping-ponging back and forth to where <laughs> they were the abuser and I was the abused and vice versa or, or yeah. all kinds of things like that where, you know, the, the pattern, we may be experiencing one side of it, but it's um, in its totality, it's a complete unit. But I would say that, um, if we, if we can shift, if you will, which is what working in the Akashic Records does when we get to get that more soul level view to the place of understanding that number one, every person in any given moment, no matter who they are, really are doing their best. Yeah. And sometimes the best doesn't always look very good. I mean, the truth is, I mean, you know, I have 
I talk to people all the time in the records and the reality is from a human perspective, there could have been some really difficult things, tragic things, traumatic things. And you could say, well, I, they weren't doing their best. And the reality is your experience was, yes, you're right. It was not the, the best experience at all. No, but everyone at their core is always doing the best they can in any given moment. And if we can remember that and extend that the possibility that maybe they can't do any better, including ourselves for all the things that we're so judgmental towards ourselves about, it starts to create some space and grace and also starts softening the judgment, again, that we hold towards ourselves and other people. And as soon as we do that, we begin to uh, create options. You know, judgment just locks everything down. Oh, you're this way and you're always gonna be this way. And as soon as we release the judgment, we have a possibility to have a new perspective, a new relationship, a new, a different experience of polarity as they're talking about in that quote. And, you know, the Orion, it's interesting that it's super interesting and I'm sure not a, a coincidence that card, I mean, for, for um, nine and a half years, I've been channeling the High Council of Orion and um, they're incredible beings who, you could say emanate from the energy of the star system Orion, but they're in an ascended field already. And so their wisdom and their guidance is, you know, helping us point out and soften our experience of the ascension process into our awakening. And so really what they're doing through their teachings is helping us see past the duality, past the polarity that's dimensionally here and into that, ascended state of consciousness where there is more unity and that's exactly a summary of their message and their teachings that's beautiful thank you okay my next questions are questions that i ask all my guests okay i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> what do you always say yes to and why my granddaughters i really there's not much i always say yes to so the truth is my granddaughters, uh, they're little still. They're, <laughs> uh, my oldest is, will be three in a month. Wow. And the other one, my younger one is nine months. She'll be 10 before the end. Of, I'm sorry. She'll, she's almost 10 months old. She'll be one before the end of the year. And they are the most luminous little creatures that I can imagine. People had told me how great being a grandparent was, and it is just, the most magical thing. So if they're available to talk to me, I always want to talk to them. They're always a yes for me. And I just love holding the space of unconditional love for them. It's such an honor to have them as my granddaughters. Aww. What might you say yes to and why? Might I say yes? <laughs> Um, I might <laughs> most anything, M most anything, <laughs> um, might I say, that's an, that's such an interesting question. What might I say yes to? What, uh, just about anything. I mean, there are definitely some things, except the things I'll say no to, which is probably your next question. 
but you know, there are some <laughs> things that are like, do you want to jump into a volcano? No. Yeah. Out Would of you, an airplane? Um, mm -mm. No. No. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff I would say yes to. <laughs> you jump into a volcano? There's a lot of risky things that if someone suggests it, I'll say yes. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's my husband. And that's just not me. You know, and so I guess the thing I would say yes to just about anything except the things I would say no to, which sounds funny. <laughs> it's true. Okay. <laughs> okay. And the next two are kind of variations on them. But what have you just started saying yes to? Um, honoring my gifts and the uniqueness of them in the world and the importance that they get out in the world versus holding them back in my own space and life. Yeah, nice. And then my last one is, what do you rarely say yes to? And, but I think you kind of already answered that. I mean, th there are certain things I would just say no to, but what do I rarely say yes to? Thing, things that just feel dangerous to me. Yeah, okay. You know, I, and I'm physically cautious, I guess. Like if I go <laughs> skiing, I'm not a like skier like this. I'm a, oh, isn't this beautiful kind of skier, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge risk taker myself. So I, I get injured. <laughs> yeah, I've always, I've always liked the journey more than the speed of the destination. And like, I'm somebody who, I, I don't know why I'm using these skiing imagery, but this, it is what's coming to mind. It's like, like, I love going up on the chairlift, not because it's just getting me to the top of the mountain so I could go down, because I love looking at the view while I'm up there. Yeah. I like stopping at the top of the hill because I love just like, oh my gosh, where growing up, my sons were just like, they just wanted to get to the top of the mountain so they could fly down as fast as they could. And that's just them. It's also my husband. And it's the difference with me where I like to ski so that I can just like look around and enjoy the scenery <laughs> and take it all in, in the experience yeah. of it. Nice. And is there anything else that you want to let you would like to share either Akashic or otherwise? Yeah, I think one of my biggest passions these days is to share that the desires that we have within ourselves, we all have these desires and these hopes and these wishes and these dreams that those desires are seeds of your potential. Meaning there are millions of desires you don't have. And you, you know other people who just like even you and I look at, we're talking about like you do things very differently than I would. So those desires that we have inside of ourselves are seeds of our potential. So if we have those desires, if we can set aside the worry and concern about maybe it's not for me or Maybe my karma is too great or, you know, all kinds of things. Let's just decide that it's possible. Yeah. And then, then the doubt can fall away. And then you just start looking for the solutions of the way it can happen. So trusting our inner desires. I'm going to say a second thing. This is, I'm <laughs> super passionate about this. 
And I imagine a lot of your listeners would be aligned with this. Enough already with the need to not, to hold yourself back thinking there's one more thing to fix. But I've got this wound or this childhood experience or this lover I haven't forgiven yet. Because, and then we feel like we've got to clean all that up before we can move forward. And I, I believe let's just move forward. Let's decide right now, our body may not be perfect. Our relationships may not be ideal. We may have wounds, but let's, let's look at moving forward anyway. And the things that we need to heal will become evident, but that real forward positive movement is possible for all of us right where we're at right now without the requirement that we have to heal more and more things so we get to some imagined place of perfection before we can move forward. Let's just do it now. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Do you want to share any information about how people can reach you if they want to take a class from you or book a reading or anything? Yeah, thank you so much. That would be lovely. Um, our website is... Uh, soul, S-O-U-L, and then a little hyphen or dash, um, genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S.com. And it's all there about the Akashic Record readings and the universal sphere and the soul activations and everything we do. Um, right now, our events calendar is very quiet because actually we're working solely in Japan right now. So our events calendar will start filling in in a, a little later this year when we're not working uh, with the clients and teaching in Japan. Thank you so much, Holly. That was really cool. Well, it's been an have, absolute pleasure. Yeah, I will have all these links in the show notes. Great. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes to you. Thank you, beautiful souls. I deeply appreciate you. I love Akashic Conversations and sharing this resource with you. If you have any questions, you can reach me by email at tatiana at yes2soul.com. My Instagram is yes2soul and my website is yes2soul.com. I have these links in the show notes. Let your light shine and be radiant. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and of course, share. With all my love, light, and with highest blessings, thank you so much.